Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to the Astrology Hub podcast. I am so thrilled to be here with all of you and very, very excited about today's topic and today's guest. I have brought back, thank you, Michael, for accepting our invitation to come back to the show, uh, Michael Erlewine, who was featured on episode number 328, so not too long ago, and I heard from so many of you saying, bring him back make him a regular. I mean, Michael, it was it was overwhelming. So today I, I'm excited to bring him back and to give you a brief introduction. If you want more of Michael's story, you can refer back to 328 where we went into depth. But Michael is truly a pioneer in the field of astrology. He has inspired, mentored, and taught many of the greats that we feature here at Astrology Hub. He also developed the first astrological software. So for those of you out there who are like, I don't love math, but I love astrology. You can thank Michael that so many of us now can actually practice astrology and we can do it so easily with the click of a few buttons because of his vision and foresight and desire to actually make that whole process easier. And we have him to thank for the ease and the ability for so many of us to practice today. And today we are talking about something that so many of you ask about, and we've had so few conversations about, which is sol- solar flares and solar flares and the effect that they have here on earth and the effect that they have on us here on earth. And I'm not sure why this topic isn't studied more extensively in the field of astrology. And maybe Michael, you have some insights on that, but it seems really relevant. It seems really important. And I know right now we actually are in a time of a lot of solar flares. I mean, it seems like we're getting more and more of them and understanding the effect that they have on earth and on us seems to be a very important and relevant conversation to have. So I'm happy that you're here to have that conversation with us, Michael. Thank you so much for joining us. So what are solar flares? And and also, if you want to address like, are they difficult to study? Is there not a whole lot of information about them? Like, no, why there's, lo- there's, there's plenty. It's just there's no good excuse for astrologers not to to know this like they know aspects and anything else. And it, it's, it's, and I don't have a good answer for it. There's no good reason. It, it amazes me. I've been studying them for decades, and I wouldn't, you know, don't leave home without it kind of thing. I wouldn't even think of I don't look at my aspects as much as I look at the solar flares. I want wow. to know in the government, there's there's plenty of sites that all you have to do is go there. That that's we, we, and I, This is a question for you. At some point, I can show you all this. I can show you free books, but I don't know whether you want me to, to start with that or maybe Let's just talk a little bit and then we'll right, go into cool. all that. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay, so I don't, I saying- don't know. I don't know why they, they don't do it, but, we're so connected to the sun. The sun is like, without the light and the warmth from the sun, we wouldn't be here at all. And one idea to get, when people want to talk about solar flares, which are huge eruptions on the sun, the sun is on an 11 year cycle of being quiet, which we're just coming out of, to being uh, very, very, even the scientists say angry. And they, mm-hmm. They're not, they're not only solar flares, which I'll show you pictures of later, but there's what are called CMEs, corona mass ejection. Every once in a while, the sun wants to kind of burp and it wants to spew out a whole bunch of plasma in any old direction. But 
sometimes like now that direction is 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 to us it's it's in our direction in the last couple of days i think maybe it was the 28th there were two cmes that left that were were ejected from the sun maybe within a day of each other maybe it's a matter of hours but they have been coming it takes several days for this plasma to travel through space at a huge rate and then hit Earth. And this time there's two of them hitting today and tomorrow, separated only by some hours. So it'll go ba-bam, it's gonna kind of go wham. And then before we could recover from that, another one, but it's but it's not a major one that's gonna knock out electro, electrical grids or destroy GPS, which it can do. But I've studied, first of all, I've studied them, so I understand what it does physically. And scientists are like really interested in you know, what does it do physically to the earth? You know, it knocks out radio, it knocks out GPS, long range radio, radar, uh, interrupts glo- global supri- supply chains because it interrupts the ability to communicate on shortwave radio and others. But that's the physical stuff. Just like astrologers have never done it. Ast- astronomers are just getting around to starting to wonder about, well, how, how does this, how do solar flares and stuff affect us? How does it affect us emotionally? They have paid no attention to it. Uh, but in the last 20 years, they've started to mostly fringe people like myself or people like that, but people who actually have pedigreed, which I'm not, I don't, you know, I don't even have a high school diploma. So they're starting to say, okay, this is serious stuff. It's just not uh, psychic stuff. And this stuff affects us. And I've studied it now for decades and it, really affects us. It's not just like some weird little bit of effect. It's it's like when, and we're going through it now. If you, and, but the truth is that most people don't know it. They're not sensitive to it. They're not aware of it. And what they kind of do, if you've ever seen a sea anemone or a, which has its tentacles out and just draws them in, when one of these hits, people just close down, go inside. And I'm talking about inner, inner. I'm talking about our emotional and our mental attitude. Some people just go lie down. They just can't think of this. this think of solar energy as, um, at, well, what, what I say it is, is change. Well, what's change? And we're going to try to get to that. It changes us. And that if our, if we, if it hits us, like it's hitting us now, if we don't have our stuff together, if we, if we don't have everything pretty organized, it can, it can just as easily upset our apple cart as push us to to go and do something. Like there's a wonderful book, which I may about talk about later, made by a great astrologer named Theodore Landscheid, who was a friend of mine, and I sent him his first computer in 1978 and stuff like that. He was in Germany, and he was the Supreme Court Justice, one of them of German Germany. They have it different than ours. But the point the point I'm trying to get at is um, we have we're we are not. What I was trying to say is just as the scientists are getting around to it, astrologers have not begun to, I'm trying to remember what I was saying. I lost my tra- train of thought. So well, something about Theodore, maybe something. No, no, it wasn't, it wasn't that. Uh, that's cool. I, I, I got it back. Um, I'm old. I mean, I'm over 80 now and I've had two strokes. And so that I have to create, when I think, I have to create my words. I can't go and retrieve words from my mind. I literally have to go and think right on the spot. So you probably get a fair amount of silence when you'd listen to me because I have to go and put it together. You know, I learned that from a stroke, but it's actually better because I have to, it's fresher. 
mm. but it's also you know runs into what we just ran into where i just completely lost the thread so anyway i was talking about that concept of change we think of change as something that and this is what i'm trying to it's a little bit subtle and the subtleness is that if we think about even the way i presented it that the sun is sending events to us like a flare like a coronal mass ejection we we can easily fall into thinking well this, the sun does this and this this is what it does to us and what you need to understand which is what took me a long time to understand is that we are always in touch with the sun it's not like it's just in spurts we are totally wedded to the sun in the sense that that's what we call sunlight sunlight is constantly streaming at us whether it's a day or night for us, there's never, ever been an interruption of it. It's just sometimes more intense than others. So that you have to think of the, I did make a little uh, thing about this talk, but the idea is that you have to think of the sun as a utility. Like we think of, of our electricity as a utility, that we are always, and we are totally dependent on it. It's not just like, we are it. We are we are so wedded to the sun. We're so much a part of the sunlight and the energy that comes from the sun that we don't even, we're not even aware of it. And so that this is what puzzles me about astrologers is that how come in all this time we can't be aware that, this, that this, the sun is a source of life? In 1997, it's one of the times that I went to my, went, went to Tibet and I went with, uh, so I studied the Dharma for like 40, 50 years. And I took most of my family and we we, we got over there. We got up to 15,000 feet. We get to the, this ancestral uh, monastery of, of the, the head of our lineage. It's like the Dalai Lama, except he's called the Karmapa. And we actually get to see him and he finds out who our teacher is. And he's all happy because they know each other and stuff like that. And so when I went and talked to him and he, he gave me a name, he, he said to me, you you are Tenzin Nima. What's that? We have a translator. It says that means holder of the sun. Oh, wow. Keep, keeper of the sun. So how did he know that? I have no idea. He knew I was an astrologer mm. uh, because I was taking to him some calculations that we did. When they escaped from Tibetan stuff, some of the calculations they lost. Mm. And some of them were, were ones that ran out and have to be redone. So I brought over an astrologer from India to live at our center for a while. And we were working on the calculations, trying to reestablish them. Anyway, wow. so when I was talking to him, that's what he says, you are Tenzin Nima. And so of course that blew my mind because how would he know that in astrology, I'm best known for being a, a heliocentric astrologer. Not that, that I'm not a geocentric, it's just that no one else really is a helio. So they'd say, you're the helio astrologer, when really, of course, I use both of the charts side by side all the time. Um, Anyway, so that's what happened. The first book I wrote back in, this is before computers. The first book I wrote was called, um, it was a, what it was, was something that didn't exist. It, it, um, and I did it with a calculator. It was, it's called the, the sun is shining with an exclamation mark. Sun is shining. I'm trying to say something. And it's a 400 year ephemeris, very accurate from, I think, uh, 1653 to 2050 or something like that. And a lot of my early work was different kinds of ideas and techniques that are based, based around heliocentric. Maybe we should look at, at 
Don't you ask me some questions? And then I, I, I have tons of questions teed up in my in my mind and on my piece of paper. But I think maybe we can look at the at what you are presenting because maybe okay, you're cool. going to answer them. Cool. Oh, that's possible. A couple things to say. One of the things I did, I just want to run through some what I call housekeeping stuff. I want everyone to know that I created at our center the largest astrology library in the world. Oh my gosh, that is brilliant. And I think even better than that was I donated to the University of Illinois. I'm just showing you just some of the boxes. We, they brought a, an Allied Van Lines truck, and it was a huge truck, and to take all of this to Illinois so that it could be available to researchers from now on. It's just a picture of some of the, some of the stuff. Now, I do have any of you listening who want to write down the spirit grooves is the name of my website dot net and then if you can do, you can either see it you can if you go there it looks like this and there's a little thing that says free free ebooks i have 555 free ebooks not all astrology but if you go there you'll see there's there's ones on on, on what i'm talking about all you have to do is it's downloaded it and it's free it costs you nothing and let me just go through what those books are one of them is this one, just solar flares. One one about sun storms, storms on the sun. My most recent one is on solar biology. Basically, it's how do we absorb solar change, which which I'm really good is what I'm going to talk about now. Oh, and here's my first old book. It doesn't have an exclamation mark, but this is just me. I I didn't have no no computers in. I had to do it. I had to use press type, and I had to bind these things. Wow. In 1975 and 76, I produced all these books, which I call Astrophysics for Astrology. And one was the, the Heliophemeris. One was a book on cosmic structure, which is still available. And another one is a technique called Interface on Heliocentric Planetary Nodes. And I drew out seven star maps in astro for astrology. So we could see stuff, places like where black holes and anything in the sky, but in astrological uh, the way we represent it instead of uh, right ascension and declination. Then a, a book that I wrote called Astrology of the Heart. Anyway, so I'm just showing you some stuff. But here's a book the Theodor Landstein did, uh, which is available in German, but I had it translated by a great astrologer in our country named Robert Schmidt. He, he established hindsight. He, he he introduced, he un, he he could read and translate Greek. And so he, he brought a lot of that technology, understanding ancient Greek uh, to everyone. But he also came and lived with me for a while at our center, two, and a, two or three years, two and a half years, I think. And one of the things he did for me at my request was translate this book called Children of the Light. And it's all about what we're talking about, but it's, it's, what is it is about is how this stuff has affected people like Einstein and all the great creators. A lot of their work correlates with solar flares and sun events in the sun, how important how important the sun is in terms of enlivening our life, giving us life and also inspiring us. So as I said earlier, these solar flares can upset our apple cart if we don't have it together, but they can also inspire us and put seeds into us. Then we can develop into different kinds of inventions and inspiration. So if you, if you want to, I, I could make some of this available. I haven't Publish this book in English, but I could give you some parts of it if anyone writes me. I don't know if I have my email anywhere. 
but it's all over the just Michael at earlywine.net. But anyone who wants to read about this, all they do have to do is get a hold of me. So here are two places that you can go and read uh, and see what's happening that day. One is called spaceweather.com. Just that. And it's very, very good. Just like it says here, this is this is what's heading our way. And I think these are the two ones I'm talking about. Two coronal mass ejections are headed for Earth. The first was hurled in our direction August 28th and so on. So that's why. So that, yes. Can I ask a question about that real quick? Of course. How far in advance can we predict these things? Are, are they on cycles or yeah. is it like the weather where you can only look a little bit out into the future? No, well, generally, there's 11, as I said, there's an 11 year cycle from the sun being quiet with no sunspots, usually no solar flares that over about a five-year period or something, which we're in now, we're, find, we're just starting to get into an angry sun and with lots of solar flares period of time. So in one sense, we can predict very, very clear. But then what you're really asking is what you, or what you need to know, you really have to go each day or two and look because we don't tell the sun when to explode, right? And we can't predict it. We can predict it that, yes, there's going to be more solar flares now, Mm-hmm. During these years and the next year or so, going to be there's scientists are arguing that it may be one of the strongest solar times ever, even though it's not supposed to be. But there's, the early signs are it's very very active and gonna, but we just have to see and we have to see by actually going each day or each two days or whenever you feel like it, just like you look at your natal chart or transits, go and see what's going on. Hmm. So that's called space weather. And then the other one, the other one's called solar ham, hamradio.com. And this is this, this you can just see, you can go and look at the graphs and you see exactly what kind of solar flare detection is going on. So this is something anyone can do. It costs nothing. It's all free, but you would have to go to either solarham.com or spaceweather.com. Any questions on that? Yeah. I mean, so one question I have is we use the term angry. Right. Oh, they do. For they they do. Right. I was going to ask you about that. I mean, that seems like such a human interpretation of the. That's of kind the of dumb. Offense, right. It's kind of stupid. Right. I yeah. mean, it just already you're, you're, you're anticipating something harsh and violent, but how do you interpret them? Like, what do you see? them like we could go to solar ham we could go to these places and see there's going to be an increase in activity how do we interpret that in the way that it's going to actually affect us that's right but then that's that's really what i'm trying to get to talk about is that i'm not so concerned with what the physicists say or the astrophysicists about what it does to radio and stuff what we want to know and what i want have wanted to know for a long time is what does it do for us just just want to show you how small earth is compared to the sun Whoa, that so, is incredible. So when he talks about a CME, here's a CME being ejected. Think of that title, corona mass ejection. It means the corona surface of the sun, a huge, huge mass of it's being thrown out into space, right? And in this case, some of that's headed right for us. Two of them are on their way today and tomorrow. And today is September 1st and tomorrow is September 2nd, just in case you're listening to the recording, 2021. That's exactly right. The whole idea, you can see just here in just another photograph, how big some of these things look. And here's the, the earth, which is with all our protective shielding, all the different layers of, of atmospheres. 
it still penetrates it. And so wow. the, what I started to try to say is that, and then I'll try to get into what it means to us. We have to stop thinking of it just these big events. We are constantly receiving a stream of information and light from the sun. I won't get into it too much now, but I, I can say that I believe that we are one with it, that the sun is not just a hot ball of gas, as physicists like to say. The sun is, I mean, here we are. Think of all the subtleties of being a human being and, and the consciousness we have. And think of all the spiritualness of it. Like we, we're supposed to say that here on earth we have all this spirit and stuff, but the sun has nothing. Sun is just, well, that's just a heater, right? It's just a, just a ball of gas and it, there's no spirit. I don't believe that. And and many societies haven't, you know, like the Egyptians and stuff in Ra, don't believe it either that I believe that if we have spirit, the sun is part of that. And that when, and the amazing thing is that the sun is supporting us by heat and energy, but also by consciousness. I think that we are one with the solar consciousness. We're just not very aware of it very often. When one of these and, and what I say is that when these things hit us, their effect is what I call change. And I don't think we've ever asked, we've ever asked ourselves, what is change? What do we mean by change? We know things change. They say that it, nothing is as constant as change, right? We're, we're always changing, but what does change do to us? And that's what I'm trying to get to talk about here because this takes me forever. It's like pushing an inner tube in front of me. I can't quite get to the point of wanting to say, but I'm going to get to it now. And that is that when we're inundated, when 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 the solar stuff starts, the waves, waves of solar wind, which are happening all the time, they're just not so strong. When we get inundated, upset, we are either going to be able to surf that, we're going to be able to deal with that internal stuff, what changes? And here's maybe the main point. There's no peanut gallery for us to, to watch ourselves change, right? Because the most important thing to understand for astrologers or anyone is that we don't watch the change because we're what's changing. <laughs> we're busy, so busy changing that we can't watch ourselves change. We can only look back and say, oh, this changed for me back then. <laughs> but when we're being inundated by a solar flare, it's all we can do to hang on to our hats. Yeah. It's all we can do to survive. And, I, and I've talked to a lot of people about this. Some people, all they can do is go and lie down for a day or two, right? They just go, they're overwhelmed. Their apple cart got upset. Everything, or many people say, before this hit me, before the solar change hit me, I had all this planned out and I was going to do this today and that tomorrow and I was going to do this and that. And suddenly, whammo, we're upset. And we come out of the upset and say, no, I don't feel like doing that anymore. Where did it go? What happened? How come I'm not doing what I felt like doing just a day ago? That's the, the big message for everyone, as far as I'm concerned, including me, that's what solar change does. It's that it comes in and depends how, how strong it is. But if it's strong enough, like what it's strong enough now, we have to roll with it. We have to let it, we have to be able to surf it. I mean, I, I'm not saying I'm very good at surfing it. I'm used to it and I look forward to it because I like change. I'm, I'm a liberal. Uh, I like things to change. But sometimes it's it's too much for me to change, especially since I've had two strokes. It's overwhelming. 
I mean, I can be overwhelmed even while we were talking here. So, yeah, as you know, as you know so. Well, Michael, I think what's beautiful about this is it's another point of awareness. I mean, sometimes for some people, even just knowing about the lunar cycle and the time period around the new moon, where it's a time to go in and to rest. And that can be so helpful because so many times we override the way that we're actually feeling and we don't allow ourselves to take that rest or, you know, to even anticipate change. And so then we're sort of pushing against the tide. But what you're saying is this is, this is another piece of information for us to to align with and have awareness around so that we can make choices that are the most supportive of our health, of our well-being. And one of the things you've been, you've said is that in the next five years, there's going to be, it, it's anticipated that there's going to be even more of these All right. solar flares, corona mass ejections. And so you could look at that as like the sun's going to be really angry and that's going to be really hard, right? And, and I think that word angry, again, it like connotes that the thing. No, it's, it's not cool, but right? it's, they, they use it. Or the perspective that you're bringing in here, that there's going to be even more light, that there's going to be even more information, that there, yes, could be even more change, but that there's a lot more light and consciousness at the same time. So right. I don't know if you agree with that statement, but that's what I was thinking. As you no, were I think that I do agree with it. I'll just show you a fun thing if I can find it. Uh, that we could all have a laugh about. This one, this I call this the seed of the 1960s, right? Here's a huge peak, right? Wow. And then after that peak, this was in the late 50s, uh, and, uh, as we get into the 60s, before it takes, it takes time for the stuff to have an effect. Think of these peaks as seed times. Mm. When stuff, just like in the Tibetans where they have um, what are called mind treasures, stuff that's hidden in the mind that we learn to go into the mind. We can, and I have, uh, and we can bring out stuff that's that's in there that, that's never been brought out and realized before. And so I get a big, I, you know, I was a 60s person and I've written a lot about the 1960s and all of that kind of stuff. But look at that peak. That's a very, very high peak, right? And then Right following that was the huge upset, a whole generation of 60s people and all the hippies. And I was slightly older than the hippies, but I was kind of like became a teacher of the hippies because we had been trained with the beatniks, even though we were too young for that, about, you know, art and music and stuff. And the hippies really didn't know that. So we kind of introduced them to what I call the liberal arts. Anyway, I don't mean to interrupt you. I'm just saying that's that's uh, I think that's interesting. I do too. <laughs> Definitely interesting to think of this time as being a seed time. And for us to use the opportunity to uncover, I love what you just said with the mind treasures. Terma. How do you say that? T-E-R-M-A, Terma. And the terma. guys that guys and gals that discovered are called tertons. And there's two kinds of terma. One are secret scrolls and writings of stuff that are hidden under rocks or in logs or under the ground. But then there's kind of terma called mind terma. Mm. And that, and I like to say, and it's true for me, is that even though I had maybe the largest astrology library in the world, I found it much easier to go into the mind itself. The only book I still read, other than just some Dharma texts, is uh, my own mind, right? There's nothing more beautiful than to go into your own mind to areas you've never been 
and to bring out something that you, and in some cases, some of my work in astrology, no one else had ever seen either. Uh, and then I should say one more comment on that. When they bring something out of the mind, when they find a terma, you just don't take the terma and then I give it to you or give First, you have to spend years realizing for yourself what that terma is. Mm. You understand? Before you yeah. are before that you are empowered enough that you could empower someone else with the technique, you have to fully realize it yourself. Anyway, we don't have to go on with that, but it is a fascinating deal. So very fascinating. And and again, it's this honoring of that inward time, that the time it takes to really cultivate something before right. it is mature enough to go out into the world. Before you are before you are mature enough. Exactly. Yes. So you've mentioned a few times that if we have our quote unquote stuff together, that it, it can be, yeah. you know, we, we're, we're more capable of riding these waves of the solar energy. What well, do we you mean by having our stuff together? I just mean that if we have any kind of coherence, balance, the whole, another whole talk would be to try to talk about, I don't want to spend much time on it here, but it's the, it's coherence. There's a, there's a whole thing called uh, cybernetics. And cybernetics is simply how living organisms and large-scale organisms like galaxies and stuff like that and solar systems, how do they manage to cohere? How do they hang together? And it's by an information flow. It's by a flow of information that the scientists are still trying to figure out how it ha happens. But if we lose that train of information, then an organism becomes incoherent, uncoherent, right? And it falls apart and dies like cells do that. So, and just one comment I wanted to make just about, you mentioned the moon. We love the moon in the West, but the Chinese and the Indians and uh, the Tibetans and Japanese, they divide the lunar cycle into 30 days. And we have maybe eight sections or sometimes just four, the four quarters. I'm just saying that some some other countries and stuff had put a lot more time into it. And they have, for 30 days, they have something that we should or shouldn't do, which I hate that kind of stuff, but it's true. They have it for every every one of those 30 days. They say, this is a good time to cut your hair. This is not a good time to cut your hair. This is a good time to start businesses. It's a little too much for me because I don't want to be what I call rule ridden, right? But if you study it, they would know way more about the moon. Because if you ask someone in Tibet what their birthday is, like we said, what's your birthday? They have no idea. But if you ask them what their moon day is, they'll tell you exactly what, what lunar day they were born. They celebrate their, 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 their lunar birthday the month, right? And the part. They don't celebrate their solar birthday like we do. They don't even know what it is. A lot of them even don't even know. Or you'd have to remind them of it. So anyway, I don't want to go off and other things. So other questions? Yeah. Or, or yeah. I just uh, well, I just wanted to mention the Hawaiians have the same thing. So, you know, I'm in Hawaii and they yeah. they have um, a, a name for every single day of the lunar cycle. Really? And, yep. And the but same. How many, how many days? I think it's 30, but I would need to check. It, it might be 28. -ish. No, it can't be that. Check. It's probably 30. But, but yeah. Sometimes fine for me what that is. I'd like to know. Yeah, I if, it's, if it's a Hawaiian thing that they developed themselves, I'd be curious, curious if there's a book I think about so. it. I mean, yeah, I mean they have they have um, calendars and all the the 
Hawaiians that are still connected with the farming, they mm -hmm. still use the Hawaiian calendar cool. for, you know, when to plant certain things. I mean, my daughters have a whole song that does every single day of the lunar cycle. And, you know, you can plant viney things on this day or things that are bushy on this day or things that climb on this day. And it's, it's different every day. I think yeah. that's very, this is the kind of stuff that interests me, right? It's the kind yeah. of stuff I study. Anyway, getting back to what we're talking yeah. about, trying to, I used to have a mantra that came into my mind, pretty young kid. It's, I don't know what it means, but it's kind of dumb, but I would just say it. it, it it's, we, we will withstand shocks outbreaking. We will withstand shocks outbreaking. And the shocks outbreaking are these kind of, just like even on, you know, spaceweather.com, they're, they're calling this one of these recent uh, CMEs a tsunami. Hmm. That's the word that they use because it's it's like one. So that when we're hit by a tsunami, a solar tsunami, uh, and you were asking about that, it all depends upon what shape we're in. I mean, can we, de can we deal with it? Is it going to knock us for a loop? Are we going to just be, many people just literally block this with their mind. They, they don't want to take it in. In fact, in 1972, I had a, I had a, a deep experience that happened to me. That would be another story. Uh, and out of it came the symbol that I use for my center, which is called the heart center. But during that time, for a few days, I was able to watch, and, and I had classes of people, you know, their astrology and stuff like that. And when a thought came, when a thought came into the mind, I could see everyone got it at the same time. We all saw it, but most people took it privately and they turned inward. But I could see them turning inward, which I can't today, and I, but I could for a few days. Everyone would turn in at the same time if, if it was a hard, a hard thought, a harmful thought, something that was unpleasant. They all took it personally. And then after a short time, they would all come out like a little flower and start opening up again, and it was gone, and no one remembers it. It was not not remembered because it really wasn't accepted. And I know that sounds kooky. I'm just saying it's true. It happens. So I think there's something to be said for how we take this information that uh, comes from the sun. And I'll get again, I'll remind us that we're getting sunlight every day. That's information. I think that carries change for us, not just this big change. So that that's the way to think about it. And then when these big modicums of change that, that are going to put us through some, they're going to change. And again, it, it's going to change us. It's not going to change just our surroundings. It's going to change us so that we can come out of one of these times and not know where we are or what are we doing this for? Why am I living this way or married to this person or this kind of job? This is the kind of stuff that can come out, in my opinion, which is all I got. When some of these big tsunamis of change come through, it's up for grabs what's going to happen. And that you're not going to know it. You're going to go through it. It's going to be like you're going to ride the roller coaster when it's done. It happens to me all the time because I have all this stuff. Often I write a lot, a whole lot. And often I've written a whole thing and, and one of these uh, freight train tsunamis come through and I wake up the next morning and I'm all, all turned around and I go and read that. I'm not going to use that. I don't even feel that way anymore. Wow. I feel totally different. I feel this way. Now I'm going to have to write something all over again. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I'm just trying to give you an idea how powerful this is. And I would like to hear from people. Does no one see this? Mm. Is this something that you can learn? Which I think it is. You can learn to be aware of it. Uh, you can train yourself to be aware of it. And you can go to these sites and at least say, here's the opportunity. Here's a CME coming to you right now. Do you feel anything? What What do you feel? What happens? And then wait a couple of days. And was there was there a transition point? Did something change? Did you change? And that's that's anyway. That's the key thought. Ah, this is so good, Michael. Thank you. So essentially, we can all just start studying it. I mean, I think so many of the people in the audience have studied. You know how obviously how different astrological transits affect them, how exactly. the lunar cycle affects them. So this is just adding in another, seemingly, uh, you, you're very convincing in this, and it makes perfect sense, extraordinarily important piece well, but- of information in terms of our phases and our cycles and the way that that we're growing and evolving here on this planet. Michael, does it matter that so many of us no longer are out in the sun very much? I mean, do you think that it matters whether or not we're like, physically out in the sun or is are we still receiving it whether we're indoors or outdoors with sunscreen all over our skin or not yeah no it's, it's not you're receiving it no matter what as far as being out in the sun you just have to your skin type you better be careful i get precancerous stuff if i get too much sun right um yeah so that but, but this is something even in the books that i say here here are these books that you can have they're only going to tell you they're not, they're really, they're, yes, you can read them to get some kind of support or encouragement, but all they're saying is go and look inside yourself. When you say study, don't go read a book other than quickly, go and start to look at exactly, it's what's called phenomenology. I'm a phenomenologist, meaning that my whole life has been spent monitoring the state of my own uh, life stream, right? Mm-hmm. But But you have to actually go Stop looking outside so much and start looking inside and start monitoring and keeping track of it's your, it's your own study. It's your own mind, your own feelings. No one else is probably going to be that interested in it, but who cares because you're interested in it. And if you can start to understand how you change, then you can work with change a lot easier than if you're blind from it and you can't, you have no idea what's going on. You just have to go lie down, that that stuff. So yeah, I think that we should start to go within ourselves and you know be, be prompted by going and looking at some of these sites. Oh, there's a big solar flare today. So maybe I won't try to do this stuff that I have to do. I'll wait till tomorrow because I don't feel like it because I'm in too much turmoil. So mm-hmm. that idea. Whew, perfect. And, and such an amazing invitation for all of us. I'm excited to hear what you all think about this. I mean, I'm seeing some feedback as we're talking, but is this something that you're excited to go and start investigating internally and, you know, get that, like Michael says, get the information from the resources that we have, but then really make this an internal study. Did you call it femininology? No, phenomenology. 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 Okay. Phenomenology. No, no, but you can call it. This is the, we live in a time of women. So this is, maybe we should call it phenomenology. Feminine. Phenomenology. So my, wife and, my wife and my daughters would approve of that. So they would like that. Yes. <laughs> Michael, no, are there any other, um, are there any other slides that you want or any other information? No, that you there's want nothing, nothing that important. I mean, there's lots of other slides, but I think that we get, I've got to some of the main points. 
it's hard for me because, as I said, I had two strokes, and I used to be pretty slick at managing my mind. But yeah. it's still there. But I have to actually go and. But it's actually more fun this way. So uh, you know what? It's perfect. I have. I. I. I know. I have zero complaints, and our audience has zero complaints. It is a delight to listen to you. It really is. And I love the pauses. It allows us all to pause. We probably need more pausing. So thank you. Cool. So any other questions? I think we must be getting toward the end. We are, we are getting to our time, but I think this is a definite starting point for everybody. So we have the, the two websites that you said, the 550 books that you have given us. 55. 555. Okay. <laughs> 555 books. Um, and then several of those on solar activity and your That's observations right. about what, how they affect us here. And another uh, time we could, we could go and take the lunar cycle apart and do the same. I don't think that as much as we understand the lunar cycle as Western astrologers is kind of pretty good. And we certainly love the moon. I still don't, I don't feel we understand it enough. I mean, I think that we have a lot to learn from the Eastern folks about how, how to ride the moon cycle. And sometime we could do that. I would uh, love that. You, would, then, would you all like that? I think that would be amazing. Yeah. Or anything. Yeah. yeah. Well, I also wrote in big caps on my, on my uh, journal when you were talking coherence. So this idea of coherence, and I mean, I'm sure there's a ton to explore there. Uh, you, I know it, it, this is a, uh, a wellspring you, you are a wellspring for all of us. I'm so grateful for all that time that you've spent on phenomenology and that really internal study because it does give you so much to share with us. The story you shared from 1972 of being able to watch how information affected people. And that is, that's an image that I know I will carry with me. I didn't get to experience it the way you did, but I just did through you because just imagining everybody here, you know, it, taking in the information, going inside, and then eventually feeling like they could come back out and blossom like flowers. Exactly. Wow. Incredible. Another idea we could look at sometime, where I'll leave you with, is the idea, and this is a pretty subtle one and difficult one, it's that all identification, when we identify, when we identify anything, identification is circulation. The process of identifying with something is really a process of circulating, I believe, cosmic or spiritual information through our system and through this member that I see, I see us, you know, some people are looking for the spaceman, right? For, for intelligent life. We are, we are intelligent life. It's not going to be any different anywhere else. It's the universe looking through our eyes when the universe looks through our eyes and identifies, that is when information circulates through our through us. And the more that we can do that, the more identification we can do, the more that happens. I'm not saying it well enough, but we'd have to spend a whole time on it. But I think that once we understand that we are the spaceman, right? We're the space person and always have been, and we're, we're looking for ourselves, just like yeah. find yourself, right? I think that's funny. Uh, but also true. Anyway, yeah, I hope to come back sometime because um, I like the way you ask questions, uh, for one. That's uh, helpful. Michael, it is a, a sheer joy to share this space with you. Thank you so much. I'm honored. I know our community's honored that you enjoy spending time with us as well. Fun. And I look forward to the next time. 
So I, I lots of ideas. And, and actually, if you have other things that Michael touched on today that you're like, oh, yeah, more, please put it in the chat. And I'll just look through those and we'll come up with some more ideas and, and topics that we can talk about on the podcast. But we would love to have you back again, Michael. And thank you so much for your time. And thanks to all of you for being here, for being a part of our community, for being those spacemen looking or spacemen and women looking <laughs> for yourself and 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 having the eyes of the universe that are having this these experiences. It's it's just fascinating. I love the way you think. I love the way you communicate. Thank you, thank you, thank you for being with us. Well, Take care, everybody. Thank you so much for making astrology a part of your life. We'll catch you on the next episode. Hi there, this is Amanda from Astrology Hub, and I have some exciting news to share with you. Our beloved Anne Ortley is offering a series of workshops on the myth, magic, and power of the goddesses and asteroids in your chart, and you're invited to join. If you're curious about how to interpret the impact of asteroids like Eris, Juno, Ceres, and Athena, as well as the other thousands of asteroids in the sky, you're going to love this workshop. It's happening live in September, and you get access to the recordings and course materials for life. Go to astrologyhub.com slash asteroids to learn more and join us today. That's astrologyhub.com slash asteroids.